If you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out. Turn to the book of Numbers. We're going to get right in this thing today. The book of Numbers. While you're flipping there, my mom and dad are here today. Glad to have them in the house. That's why I wore my suit jacket, because my mom's here today. So I wouldn't get in too much trouble. My shirt is untucked, but it's Fatville. You know, that's, you know, I just don't have on flip-flops, but I'm still cool. <laughs> Numbers. And also today, I brought my organist with me, because I'm just going to rear back and preach a little bit. All right. That's good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> when you start preaching real good, let me, let me just point out a couple of things. I got a hanky. I got an organist. A suit jacket. We're going to have church today. <laughs> We're going to have some church up in here today. Amen. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, say amen. Amen. It's fun to be in the house of the Lord. It's not boring. I'm glad I don't go to a boring, dead, dry church, but we go to a church that's full of fun. We like to be funny. We like to have fun. We like to see God high and lifted up. And when you do all those things, good things happen. Amen. Amen. Well, <laughs> Woo! Don't don't do it to me now. Don't do it to me. Well, <laughs> hey, if if you ever want to get when you're when you're like having a good conversation or something and you're trying to to prove something to somebody and you just need a little oomph behind you, get that app. It's an app. What you hear that organ, and it's called Preach It with a B three. And so you you think you say, well, come on now, don't do it to me, don't do it, to me. <laughs> my father. Well, I feel like TD Jakes in here. Come on. Come on. Hey, you better tell somebody, come on, touch your neighbor and say, you better tell somebody God's good. (laughs) Oh man, it's going to be a good one today. Come on, somebody. Let's get into this. Enough playing. Come on. Y'all quit playing around. I want to preach to you a message this morning with the title, the shout of the king is among us. The shout of the king is among us. Now, I will go ahead and say this. I preached this a couple Sunday nights ago in the venue, and I'm just going to tell you, God moved. God moved. It wasn't because I preached. It was because of what happened in the response. So I want you to go ahead and make up your mind right now how you're going to respond to this message. And there's going to be, I'm going to call a couple of of different uh, altar calls, but you can't preach a message on shouting and not give somebody the opportunity to shout. Amen. So some of you today are going to have to shake off your religion and shake off your, your, some of you might have your hair fall down or or mascara run down your face, but that's going to be okay because God is going to move in this place today. God is going to move. God is going to break some chains in this place. God is going to break some bondage. We're going to have some delivery. We're going to have some victory in this place today because the shout of the King is among us. Ooh, Ooh, feels good already, man. I want to speak to you on a subject this morning that, that a lot of people don't really hear about any anymore in church. It's the power of a shout. The power of a shout. Have you ever shouted in church? Has anybody just ever reared back and shouted? Because you get so excited, you feel the Holy Spirit so strong that something on the inside of you just needs to come out in a shout. How many of you understand that we are emotional beings? God created us with emotions. And there's nothing wrong with letting your emotions out at church. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as it's decent and in order, there's nothing wrong with that. We're emotional beings. Now think about this. You've probably heard this several times, pastors saying this, but, but really think about what I'm about to say. How is it 
that right down the street, just a couple miles down the street at the, the Razorback Stadium, nobody has to beg those people to come and get excited about what's going on. You got 76,000 people that will come and fill that stadium and they will stand up the entire time and shout and scream and yell. Just a couple weeks ago at the Alabama game, uh, if you remember, Brian, uh, our youth pastor, was talking about him and a couple people went and just yelled the whole time. That's why he didn't have a voice. Well, I was one of those people that was there. And I can attest to you that all of us that were there in that section I don't think we sat down the whole time except for during halftime. But when the game was going, we were up, we were shouting, we were yelling at Nick Saban because we were kind of sitting right behind him. I wasn't yelling, but, you know, I had to save my voice. But other people like Brian and other people like Kyle and, you know, they were yelling. I was watching and I was like, man, if Nick Saban comes back here and starts fighting us, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because Brian was yelling at him pretty good. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Man. That's a good app. Everybody get it right now. We should have we had some kind of deal with him that if our church bought this app that we could get a cut of it. Come on. Remind me of that. We'll send him a note. <laughs> but you think about this. You think about how all those people will go down to that stadium and they will shout. They will paint their bellies. They will make absolute fools of themselves. But yet we have churches that are full today and nobody will even come and make a sound. We'll, we'll, we'll come to church, we'll sit around and we'll spectate, but we'll go other places and we'll shout and we'll scream and we'll act like fools, but we come to the house of God and we act like he's never done anything for us. There's a problem with that. <laughs> that was, that was a weird one. I don't know about that. They, they hit a wrong key back there somewhere. But you think about it, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with the fact that we feel like we have to come to church and, and be so reserved and be quiet and we better not draw attention to ourselves and we, we better act like we've got it all together. But we forget that God created us to be emotional beings and that we can release our emotions to him, that there is nothing wrong with that. We were created to worship God, but he said, you're, you will have no other gods before me. So I ask you the question today, who is it? What is it that you are really, truly worshiping? What is it that you worship? Let's look at this verse of scripture in the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 21. Numbers chapter 23, verse 21. Let's look at this together. Verse 21. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. The shout of the king is among them. These are the words of Balaam, who was a seer and a professional curse maker. Scripture does not view him as a positive character. Uh, divination is forbidden in God's, in God's law, yet Balaam claimed to have a relationship with the God of Israel. And I'm, I'm reminded of people today who think they know God, but they don't really know him. They think they know who God is, but they really have no idea. They believe they know him, but their actions show that they are far from him. Balak, Balaam's boss, was the king of Moab. Now, the Moabites were not friends of Israel. In fact, Balak feared the people of God, so he hired Balaam to place a curse on Israel. Now, in ancient Eastern thought, an opposing army was viewed by the supernatural forces which empowered it. If a curse could be made, victory was won before the battle had even begun. 
Now, Balaam and Balak, like I said, they knew about God, but they didn't know him. And a little knowledge of something can be a dangerous thing. Just a little bit of knowledge of something can be a dangerous thing. The more they tried to force a curse upon Israel, the more they brought a curse on themselves. So we see that in Numbers that Balak sent word to Balaam and he said this, Numbers chapter 22, verse 5 and 6. You don't have to flip there. I'm just going to kind of give you a paraphrase. He said this, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. They're too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. This is Balak talking to Balaam. Skipping down to verse 12. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. This is what God is saying. Don't go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. How many of you know when God calls you blessed, you're blessed? When God says you're blessed, you're blessed. This is the principle that I wish that the leaders of our world could get today, that when they try to force the people of God to do something, when they basically try to place a curse on us to force us to believe something or do something that goes against who we are and goes against what our God has told us to do, they can't win. They cannot win that. They will ultimately curse themselves when they try to curse the people of God and force them to do something. Let me tell you something. If you have been worried about our city in recent days, be encouraged because God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne in spite of any ordinance or evil law that may be passed by those who think they know God, but just know him a little bit. Let me tell you, his word has not capitulated or abdicated. His word still stands in spite of any man or any active man. If you believe that, say amen. God is still on the throne. The Balaam knew that in order to collect his reward money, that he would have to go up against Jehovah God. He had heard of the miracles that God has done through his people. He had heard of the battlefield victories won against tremendous odds. But greed will cause a man to take full-hearted risk. When Balaam agreed to go against God, he ultimately sealed his fate. So we keep on reading in Numbers chapter 22 that Balaam went on despite God telling him not to go. And we see that three times an angel with a sword stood in the way of Balaam and his donkey to oppose him. And three times that donkey saw the angel and he went his own way and tried to go around this angel. Eventually, he just laid down underneath Balaam. And every time Balaam struck it and finally he hit the donkey three times and the donkey said, what have I done to deserve all these beatings? Let me tell you, the shout of the king was about to get up in that donkey. Hello. When the donkey starts talking, you got a problem. When your animals start talking to you about you beating them, you got a serious issue. But we see that this donkey says, what have I done to to deserve this? We keep on reading that Balaam kept on trying to curse the Israelites, but every time he went to curse them, all he could say was good about them. Every time he went to try to say something bad and place a curse on him because he was trying to collect his ward, his, uh, his reward money to place this curse so that the Moabites could defeat them, all he could say was good things about them. When you are blessed by God, I'm telling you, nobody can speak evil against you. When you are blessed and you are highly favored, no one can put a curse on you. You're blessed. All he could say was good about them. So there were five oracles or five different words and prophecies given by Balaam. And the second oracle or the second word is where we get our text. So now 
that you have a little backstory, let's read this whole text in context. He said, then he spoke his message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. Let me read that again. I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt and they have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and Israel, see what God has done. See what God has done. This is the guy that's trying to place a curse on Israel. And this is what he's saying. Why? Because the people of God were blessed. Balaam realized that he could not curse what God has blessed. And I want everyone in this place to know today that the shout of the king is in your life. No curse, no law, no sickness, no, no anything that man would try to put on us, no lack of finances can do away with the blessing and the favor of God that is upon your life. If you believe it, say amen. Balak may look at you and say, you're not worthy, but God says, because of my son's worthiness, you are accepted as righteous. Balak may say, I'm going to defeat you, but God says you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Balak may say, you're going to die from this, but God says, by his stripes, you are healed. Balak may say, you have sinned away forgiveness, but God says, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Balak may say, you're powerless to defeat me, but God says, you have received power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Balak may look at you and say, you are flat broke, but God says, I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Balak may look at you and say, everything in your life is all gloom and doom, but God looks at you and says, the shout of the king is among you. The shout of the king is among you. God, I pray that in this place today that you will loose the chains that bind us. Open our eyes that may, that we will see heavenly forces fighting on our behalf. Balaam had to acknowledge that God was superior. He had to admit that the people of God possessed a great possession. The shout of the king was with them. They could not be defeated. Balaam said, I have received a command to bless he has blessed and I cannot change it. That's such a powerful statement to me. I have received a command to bless and I cannot change it. So what does this phrase mean? The shout of the king. It actually means the shout of victory is among us. The shout of victory is among us. In this word given through a false prophet, God was using very specific language that Balak could understand. You see, when the king was about to pass by, either on a special occasion or returning from the battlefield with captives coming behind him, the people would gather on the sides of the road and greet him with joyful and triumphant shouts of praise. This let the king know that they were confident in him. As he would come by and they would yell and they would shout, that let the king know that their confidence was in him. So if that's the case, how much more should the people of God place their confidence in him? How much more should we shout praises to our God who is a victorious God? 
I want to give you three principles this morning for a victorious, spirit-filled Christian living. That's the name of my new book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> three principles. I can sell that on TVN, huh? Give a bottle of spring miracle water with it. Come on. <laughs> that ain't right. I done gone to a messing. Here we go. Three principles for victorious spirit Christian living. First of all, let me tell you this. The shout of the king releases us from the pressures of life. The shout of the king releases us from the pressures of life. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's why we have what we call praise and worship. And I said this the other night when I was preaching that the the best way that I've ever heard the difference between praise and worship was this. T.D. Jake said it. He said, praise is saying, God, I thank you for my shoes. I thank you for my house, the car that I drive. I thank you for my family and all these blessings. But he said, worship is saying, but God, if I didn't have the shoes, if I didn't have the car, if I didn't have the house, if I didn't have my family, I would still give you worship. That's very good. Thank you, TD. Thank you, Brother TD Jakes. But and I, I preached a message um, a while back when we were doing our five E's and mine was exalt. And I talked about worship and, and what happens when we worship. Our worship is all about God, but we get all the benefits. Our worship is all about God. It's all about us praising God for what he has done, praising God for who he is. But when we do that, we get the benefits of that. We get the benefits of worshiping and praising God. That's why when we come in this place and we have those few moments at the beginning of our service to worship God, that's why it is so important That's why it is so important to come in this place and you lay your cares down and you worship God. You you forget everything else that's going on in your life and you you get to a place where it's just you and him and you're singing and you're lifting your voice, you're lifting your hands. I'm telling you, worship changes things in your life. When you can worship God despite your circumstances, it changes things in your life. It's not to please us, it's to please him. And I know one thing, once you have ever experienced the real, the powerful presence of God, nothing else will ever satisfy you. Nothing else will ever satisfy you like the presence of God. God knew when he created us that we would be living in a pressure-packed world. He knew when he made us that we would have pressure in our lives. We all live under tremendous pressure sometimes, and he has created inside of us some release valves to relieve the pressure. One of those release valves is crying. Have you ever just gotten to a point where things are in your life and you just break down and cry? That's good for you. That's okay. You're releasing that emotion. It's coming out of you. When you try to hold stuff in and bottle it up, that's when things get bad because one day that bottle's going to pop and you're going to go off on somebody or you're going to do something that you regret. But when you use those release valves that God has given you, it helps you relieve the pressure of life. Crying is a release of emotion. Crying can be healing. Another release valve is laughing. Anybody in this place like to laugh? You think about this. Why do millions of people every day after work go home and they watch these sitcoms that are funny? It's because they need to laugh. It's because all day sitting behind a computer typing or or doing stuff that is stressful or just dealing with the everyday 
stresses of life, people just want to sit down and, oh, and just breathe and laugh and just take a little time for themselves. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this place? You got to relieve the stress sometimes. Laughing is a way to do that. And then God put in us the ability to shout and get excited. I believe that one of the reasons that we live in such a sports and entertainment crazed world is because that the church has deprived people from a genuine expression of worship for too long. Think about what I'm saying. The reason that we live in such a sports and entertainment crazed world is because the church has shut down the, the genuine praise and worship that people can offer. I mean, you think about this. How many churches in our city, if we, if, if we were to go to those churches today and during the middle of praise and worship, we start to shout or we start to dance or we come down and get on our face and begin to weep before the Lord, that would freak a lot of people out. Why? Because people aren't used to that. There's a lot of people that think when you come to church, you got to be all put together. Your hair's got to be perfect. Your suit's got to be nice and pressed and iron. You got to have the right tie on. But let me tell you something. We are emotional beings. We are emotional beings. And I'm telling you today as your worship pastor, as the guy who leads you in praise and worship, I can speak for our staff when I say that if you want to come down in the middle of praise and worship and lay on your face and weep before the Lord, that's fine. If you want to get in the back or you want to come to the front and you want to dance before the Lord, that's fine. If you want to shout because you have the victory in your life, that is fine. We are emotional beings. And when you begin to pour your genuine praise and worship out on God, I'm telling you, God will start to move in this place. But when we come with an attitude of, well, I don't want to be the center of attention. Now, you can become the center of attention when you do it, not out of spirit and in truth, but when you just do it to do it. But when it's real, man, it, it, it's effective. When it's real, it's effective. And people know the difference between when it's real and when it's made up. The greatest example I have of that is when I used to be on the Allstate Choir and, and we were playing in Russellville one time as we started to sing and play in praise and worship, this lady came right down front. And in that church, the, uh, the pulpit is just a kind of a half circle. So the whole auditorium just kind of wraps around the stage. And I saw this lady come right down front and she began to dance. And it was, I mean, it, she wasn't like, you know, doing the robot or something. She was, she was kind of dancing, like she would walk up and then she would go back and it was kind of funny, honestly. It was like, man, what's this lady doing? Because, you know, sometimes there can be some spiritual wackos in church. You know what I'm saying? Don't point to anybody. Don't think about anybody. But some people can just be weird. There are weird people in the world. But this lady began to dance. And, and after service, we were talking about it. And, and one of the people that, that went to that church was in that conversation. And, and they were like, man, let me tell you why she does that. She was an atheist, didn't believe in God whatsoever. She was in the medical field, and she got the diagnosis that she had terminal brain cancer, and it was inoperable, that she only had a few months to live. And she came to that church because she didn't have anywhere else to go, and she stopped by that church, and they laid hands on her and prayed, and God miraculously healed her. And to this day, every time she gets the chance to worship, that's what she does because of what God did. 
Let me tell you something. When you begin to pour your emotions out, when you begin to pour your praise out on God and you don't care what anybody on the right or the left thinks of you, I'm telling you, you will go to a new place in God that you've never been before. I challenge you next Sunday when you come into this place, you lift your voice, you lift your hands. So a lot of people ask me sometimes why in between songs that I just let I just let it go and I don't do anything. It's because I am trying to give you time to connect with God on your own. I'm trying to give you time to connect with him when I'm not trying to tell you what to sing or you're, there's no words on the screen telling you what to sing. But there is a time in praise and worship where you can just say what you want to God. You can pour out your heart to him. You can pour out your emotions to him. There is healing in that. There is healing in that. I, am, I challenge you. I challenge you next Sunday, regardless of what the song is, regardless of whether you like the lights or the smoke or whatever is going on, I challenge you to press through all that and give God a genuine praise and see if he doesn't show up in a real and a powerful way in your life. We're emotional. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to cry. And above all that, we're Pentecostal. We are emotional people. We come from a long line of people who run and jump and shout and scream and dance and shake the bobby pins out of their hair. There is nothing wrong with that. We're a strange and a peculiar people. Amen. If we can go and scream for the Razorbacks and go and scream for these bands that we see, man, how much more should we give praise to God? How much more should we dance before the Lord? How much more should we shout and lift our voice to the God who is victorious? We're all worshipers. Again, the question is, what are you worshiping? When we are void of genuine worship, we worship other things because we are created to worship. When we are void of genuine worship, we begin to worship other things because we were created to worship. Secondly, the shout of the king is an expression of our confidence in him. The shout of the king is an expression of our confidence in him. Whatever you need... When you get in his presence, you realize that you are confident that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. When you get into his presence, you realize that's where you can find your answer. That's where you can find your healing. That's where you can find your confidence in who he is. I remember several years ago when I first decided to leave my home in El Dorado, I knew that God was calling me to go and be an evangelist. And, and at that time, I had no services booked. I had nobody calling me saying, hey, I want you to come preach for me. All I knew was that God was speaking to me to go. And so I remember I drove up to, to Little Rock, and I was in North Little Rock, actually right down the street from McCain Mall. And the only the only house or the only plan that I had was I was going to live with a dear friend of mine's mom and dad. They had this little basement area attached to their house um, where her mother had passed away. (laughs) And so there was nobody living in there. So I went and decided to sleep in the same bed that that lady passed away in. And uh, I I told him this the night in the venue. She was a very nice lady. She, you know, she only showed up a couple times and she's very nice. (laughs) She was always floating. I don't understand that. I'm just kidding. No. So that's, that's really the only plan that I had was I, I just knew I was going to have a place to stay. And they weren't going to charge me anything to live there. It was, it was really a blessing. But somehow I had to find a way to provide for myself. And I remember I sat there in that parking lot. And 
I was just trying to figure out what to do. I was there. I knew that God was speaking to me. And all of a sudden, I got a phone call from a pastor in BB, Arkansas, Brother Glenn Dorsey. And he said, I heard that you are moving up to, to central uh, Arkansas. And he said, I want to give you an offer. He said, anytime that you're not off preaching somewhere, I want you to come and lead worship and we'll pay you to come. Man, that, I jumped all over that. And just one by one, things begin to happen as I, as I trusted God, even though that's all I had. I began to trust God and I saw him to be faithful. Let me tell you something. When you have the shout of the king in your life and God has said you're blessed and you begin to put one foot in front of the other in faith in what he's told you to do, God will begin to open doors. He will begin to take you places that you have never been. He will begin to give you things that you have never had. Why? It's because the shout of the king says, I am confident in who my God is. I am confident in who I have believed in and I know he's going to keep me. He's going he's to keep me in the palm of his hand because he has called me blessed and nobody can say anything else what other than what he has called me blessed nobody can speak ill against me because he has called me blessed and i'm telling you i have since when i follow him and when i stay close to him and when i do what he tells me to do i see him move in such a powerful way if you've ever seen god move in your life when you act by faith let me see your hand just give me a little a little wave there we go it's the truth It's the truth. When we follow God and we put our confidence in him, he will show us that he is God and he can provide, he can heal, he can deliver, he can save, he can keep us in the palm of his hand. I want to know this morning, do you have a situation in your life that you just, you can't seem to be able to solve it? Is there something in your life that that causes you so, so much stress and you just don't know how you're going to get through it? Let me tell you, the presence of God will allow you to be confident in him. I urge you to get into his presence, get into his word, spend time with him. During the times when when Israel followed the Lord, they had confidence in him and they expressed it with shouting. They knew the power of the shout. The Israelites knew the power of a shout. Before they had an earthly king, God was their king and he was mighty among them. Listen to the verse from Psalms 47. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and what? Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great king over all the earth. He will subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord, with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. The people of God knew the power of a shout. We see in Joshua, it tells us that on the seventh day, they marched around the wall seven times. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave the loud shout, what happened? The walls came tumbling down. Let me tell you, you want to see some walls fall down in your life? You stand square up to the devil, and you begin to lift your voice in a victorious shout, and you see if the walls don't begin to fall down in your life. You see, the devil, the devil can walk around like a roaring lion, and he can roar, let me, Katy Perry can roar like a lion. That ain't saying much, but let me tell you, a child of God, when they lift their voice in a victorious shout, the walls begin to fall down. The walls begin to fall down. The devil might can roar and strike a little fear in you, but when you begin to shout with victory, the walls begin to come down in your life. 
when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, I challenge you to just take a stand and give a victorious shout and see if the devil don't turn tail and run away. When God chose Saul to be their king, they shouted, long live the king. Zechariah prophesied of a coming king, lowly and riding on a donkey. To this he said, shout, O daughter of Zion. The shout of the king is an expression of our confidence in him. Last of all, the shout of the king tells us that the battle has already been won. The shout of the king tells us that the battle has already been won. I know every preacher in America has said this at one time or another, but I've read the back of the book and we win. (laughs) I read the back of the book. We win. We win. Psalms 511 tells us this, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Psalms 3211 says, shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Moab eventually disappeared from history. Balak ignored the blessings that Balaam had proclaimed to Israel. Both of them are rebuked in Revelation. So again, I ask you this morning, where's your battle at? Where is your battle? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your business, your job, your finances, your health, your school? Does the pressure of life seem to get worse and more intense day by day? In 2 Chronicles 20, a great army came against God's people and King Jehoshaphat and his people set their hearts to seek the Lord and to fast. The king cried out to God a prayer that most of us have prayed at one time or another. Listen to this prayer. They said, we have no might against those that come against us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Has anybody ever said anything like that? We have no might against those who come against us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. When your back is against the wall, shout praises to God. When the enemy is coming in like a flood, shout praises to God. When things aren't going your way in your life and they're not going the way that you think they ought to be, shout praises to God. In verse 12, Jehoshaphat gets his answer. The Spirit of God came in the midst of that congregation saying, Be not afraid nor dismayed. For what? The battle is not yours, but it's God's. I'm here to tell you today, friend, that the battle is not yours, it's God. You can give the shout of victory because God has already won. You can give the shout of praise because God has already made the battle victorious for you. If you believe it, say amen. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. They begin to sing and to praise the Lord. You know the story. They sent the worshipers out first and God set ambushes against the enemy. And they won that battle because they sang praises. They shouted. They lifted their voice to God. If you will hold fast to your faith, the spirit of God will come in your situation and bring a victorious ending to your battle. The shout of the king is among us today. Who is the king The shout of the king is among us. Who is the king? Let me tell you who the king is. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Jesus met the scriptural criteria for the king. He was of the kingly tribe. Wise men recognized him as king. The disciples hoped for his kingship. He rode through the streets of Jerusalem as king. And the shout of the king was among them. He shouted the demons out of legion. He shouted life 
life back into Lazarus. He shouted from the cross. He shouted in triumph over the enemy. And he went up with a shout. And he's coming back with a shout. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And those that are dead in Christ will rise first. We that are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. To be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We have the victory in this house this morning. The shout of the king is among us. Come on, if you believe it, shout amen. Shout amen. The shout of the king is among us. It releases us from the pressures of life. It's an expression of our confidence in who Jesus is in our life. It tells us that the battle has already been won. I want to end this morning by saying this. I heard, I heard a preacher say this a couple weeks ago, and, it, and it's just stuck with me in my mind. That it's okay to tell people that we are a seeker-sensitive church. It's okay to tell people that we are a seeker-sensitive church. Now, for those of you who, who know what I'm talking about, you're kind of like, what, what are you saying? We're a seeker-sensitive church. If you are seeking after God, we're not going to hide them from you. If you come to this church and you are seeking God, we're not going to hide him from you. We are as seeker sensitive to those who are seeking God. We are, we are sensitive to those who are seeking his presence and seeking after him. And so today I want you to go ahead and stand with me all over this room. In this place today, I've already, I already told you at the beginning of the message. I want you to, to make up your mind of what you're going to do in this altar call today. If you want to go ahead and you can dim the lights, you can close your eyes, you can bow your heads, whatever you want to do. I want you in this place today, there, there are so many, I, I believe this in my spirit, there's a lot of you in this place and you are desperate for some victory in your life. You are desperate for some victory in your life over something, over one thing, over maybe a sin, maybe over uh, marital issues, maybe over financial issues. Whatever it is, you, you need victory in your life today. I'm telling you, today's your day. Today is your day. Prayer team, I want you to come and join me around the front if you would. Today, without even thinking about and sitting there trying to, to talk yourself into coming, if that's you, you need victory in your life, I want you to come. I want you to step out of where you are. Prayer team, I want you to lay hands on these people. I want you to pray for them, and I want you to pray victorious. Pray like you've got the victory, like you know you have the victory. Come on, if that's you, I want you to step out. I want you to step out. You need victory in your life over something, a habit, an addiction, a sin that you just cannot seem to get a hold of. I want you to come. Step out of where you, wherever you are. Some of you in this place are battling depression. Come on, today's your day. You're battling depression. You've been depressed over something that's happened in your life. I want you to come. There's victory for you in this house today. Come on, what is it? What is it that you need God to do? What, is, what victory in your life do you need today? I'm telling you, there is victory for you in this place because the shout of the king is among us. Can I get some more people to help us pray this morning? Brother Jerry, would you come? Would you come and help us pray, KD? Come on, I want you to come. Wherever you are, I want you to come. 
I want you to come. While you're waiting, if you're down here and you're waiting to get prayed for, I want you just to go ahead and begin to pray yourself. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and lift your voice. If you're coming to pray, I want you to don't wait on somebody to pray with you. You pray for victory in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, the shout of the king is among us in this place today. Let's pray with victory. Come on, I want those of you that are praying, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to pray like you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And today you are leaving this place with victory. You're leaving this place with victory today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We declare victory in this place today.